We were having a little bit of a discussion before mm. we came into the studio today about honey. Mm. And I know that you have a great love of honey, and I'm not just talking about mm. it spread thickly and generously on mm. a slice of toast in the morning, about the medicinal qualities mm. of honey. You, you do feel fairly strongly about it, mm. and particularly Australian honey. I know the New Zealanders have done mm. well with it, mm. but how did, you, how did you come about? Where did you discover honey, if you like? Well, I've always been interested in, interested in beekeeping. In fact, I'm still, or I'd like to kid myself that I'm still a beekeeper. I have bees in my backyard and bees on my farm, but I was much more heavily involved as a younger man. Um, it was all initially a hobby, but then I be, began to become interested in the way in which historically bees, and particularly honey, have been used uh, to promote healing. And um, I remember as a young man uh, stumbling upon a, a book that made an incredible impact on me and, and encouraged me to read more widely and ultimately to develop a product based on honey as a young man studying engineering in Sydney, of all things. In my lunch hour, I used to wander the streets of Sydney and uh, walk from uh, Wynyard right down to, uh, to Central Station very frequently. And along the way, I would pop into various bookshops. That, this was the big eye-opener as a young Newcastle boy going to Sydney, the access to bookshops, and yes. I loved it. And I remember going into a bookshop opposite what used to be called the People's Palace, and it was the uh, Chinese communist bookshop. Now, I differentiate because in Sydney, in, in those days, there were multiple communist party bookshops, the Soviet. Anyway, in this one, the, the, uh, I was going through the, the books there and there was an English translation of a Russian text of all things. And it was called um, Words to the Effect of the Value of, of Honey in, in, in Medicine. And I picked it up and began reading it and I became intrigued. And I learned something that not many people know, that the Russians during the Second World War, when they were had their backs to the wall, so to speak, when they were fighting for their very existence, and this was an era prior to antibiotics, were using honey as a topical application for, for battle wounds. And in that text, there was a formula for a Russian ointment based on honey. And I was so intrigued that eventually I developed that preparation, and it still exists today, under the name of Melderma honey ointment. And I proved in my subsequent uh, practice of complementary medicine that that preparation, and indeed honey generally, and this was, Meryl, was prior to the, to the modern interest in honey, this mm. is going back, oh, this is going back many, 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 many years, uh, I proved then that honey lived up to its historic reputation as being a powerful agent for addressing slow healing wounds. And I have written papers and lectured all over um, Australia on the way in which honey, when used properly and appropriately, can retrieve healing and stimulate healing that is unresponsive even to modern medical approaches. So from that point, I began to, uh, to exploit honey and promote its virtues, and I still do. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, Dennis, mm. even things like Golden Staff. Yes. We've seen yes. the use of that yes. in hospitals. Absolutely. Haven't we? With, you know, the Absolutely. use of honey with that. So it's, it's, it is really, I think, now starting to become more broadly known. It's a little bit, it's a little bit sad. One, one still um, talks to patients. I saw, I saw a patient the other day who um, has a very appropriate lesion on her leg. 
uh, for which honey and honey ointment should be at least tried, that when she raised it with a general practitioner, he was very, very dismissive. Mm. And that disturbs me because that, to me, indicates perhaps a lack of awareness of the way in which medicine is moving on to exploit some of these things that a generation ago would have been laughed at. A, a lot of doctors, I've found, great men as they are and women as they are, are not always well-read in history. And medicine is steeped in history. And the, the use of honey goes right back to the greatest healers the planet has ever known. And they were the Greeks, and they used honey. Or everywhere they went, Alexander the Great and others used honey to address many health problems. And our literature is steeped in the experiences of the Greeks and the Romans in the use of honey. You're listening to Dennis Stewart. It's 2NURFM's Health Naturally, and we're taking your calls on 49216216. And we've got Neil here. Hello, Neil. You wanted to talk Hello. about tinnitus. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Just wanted to ask Dennis if he's got any suggestions about how to stop it. Okay. Neil, you've obviously, you've obviously had it investigated. Oh, uh, yeah, well, you know, the doctors, the GPs, there's no cure, there's okay. no, nothing much you can do. Okay. Look, tinnitus is not an easy condition to treat medically or naturopathically, point number one. But it's only, it was interesting, very interesting. Yesterday I saw a patient in my rooms at uh, New Lambton who for some time, and I emphasise for some time, has been using the ginkgo and, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and has, has got some progressive benefit as a result of working with that well-known uh, remedy that was made famous by the Germans uh, in modern times. And if you look at the literature pertaining to the ginkgo, you'll find that there's a strong indication for it, for tinnitus. And secondly, however, the literature and my experience with the ginkgo uh, will say that one needs to take it for an extended period of time in order to make an assessment. Indeed, some of the literature would suggest that anything up to nine months, one should, okay. w one should work with the remedy in order to be able to prove its usefulness. Anything short-term with the ginkgo, I've found, is not likely to work. But I can tell you, my experience with the ginkgo, and, and I pride myself on being the first, as far as I'm aware, to have given the, the, the lectures on ginkgo in Australia many, many years ago and uh, developed the first product based on the ginkgo. And I can tell you from my experience that the use of the herb stands up to its reputation as useful for, for many things, including tinnitus, but more so for uh, circulatory problems, particularly peripheral circulatory problems. It stands up to its reputation, but only when, and emphasize, when I emphasise this, only when it's administered in a correct standardised dosage and taken for an extensive period of time. If one is not prepared to work with the herb that way, well, then you're, not going, you're wasting your time. Now, having said that, uh, I'd encourage you certainly to give it a try. Um, it's not an expensive preparation. And unless you're on um, any sort of, how can I call it, blood-thinning medication, I see no reason why you shouldn't give it a try. Now... Yeah, I, I did try ginkgo for a, probably a month or so, and I found it was giving me cramps in the arms. Okay, that's that's unlikely. What I what I would suggest you do, however, is try another brand, try another brand, and yeah. if you and if you were getting a cramp, address the dosage, perhaps cut right. your dosage back or advance your dosage. I'm not okay. aware. Of, I'm not aware of there being anything in the literature that suggests that it has that 
consequence and I'd suggest you try again, try a different yeah. brand. But I'm glad you did have a go, but the length of time obviously was insufficient to prove it. And I'll be quick, sure. and, I'll, I'll be quick and say this, that the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983 uh, a landmark ref a reference text to the practice of modern herbal medicine also recommends three herbs uh, and I'll mention them quickly for you which yep. are usually prescribed in liquid form and in my rooms I've prescribed them as a liquid combination for many years sometimes on their own or sometimes in conjunction with the ginkgo or indeed where the ginkgo doesn't take and those three herbs are number one the European herb ground ivy okay. and two American herbs black cohosh, and the herb golden seal. Now, if you can Google up the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia and look under tinnitus, you'll find those three herbs stipulated, and there should be a monograph on each of them that you could access. Okay, what was the black one again? I just black, co black cohosh. 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 Very famous American herb, mainly used these days, uh, interestingly, for menopausal distress, and indeed the, the well-known pharmacy product Remifem is based on okay. black cohosh. The, uh, the other thing, if I can just chip in here very uh, very quickly for you, Neil, do you have trouble getting to sleep with the tinnitus? No, no, that you doesn't don't. bother me. Okay, no. oh, that's good. Because I know, I've read some stuff recently where, and this is, this is not therapeutic in terms of uh, making it any better, but as a diversionary practice, uh, if you put the earbuds, you know, that you can buy, not headphones, but earbuds into your ear, yeah. and uh, a lot of people get great benefit from classical piano music and even easy listening piano music. I don't know why, but apparently it's the tonality of that. Okay. It can help. Obviously, it's, it's diversionary and distracting from, from the ringing in your ears, but there have been some anecdotal evidence-based stories about that also being helpful. Just for what it's worth, I thought I'd throw it in. So no, keep, keep listening to 2NUR because we always play great easy listening music. Good on you and thanks so much. All the best with Just that, Greg. Quickly, with, with the ginkgo, what sort of dosage do you recommend, Dennis, to start with? Well, well, again here, depending upon what brand and product you're using, dosage would, would vary. Um, okay. what, I would, what I would say, and I'd say to all listeners, is be governed by the dosages on the label because those okay. Dosages, dosages, generally speaking, have to comply with the dosages that conform to modern use. Um, okay. But there's that much literature on the ginkgo that if you yeah. were to Google it up, you could get the, the recommended dose and then compare the preparation you're using with the recommended yeah. dose. Good on you. Okay. Thanks a lot for that, Thank Greg, and all the best with it. To NURFM's Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart taking your calls on 49216216. And uh, I know that uh, Greg gave us a call last week about plantar fasciitis. How are you going, Greg? Not too bad, thanks, Meryl. Um, I'd like to thank Dennis for sending out the Glucosapex tablets. Oh, you got it, did you, Greg? That's good. I'm yes, pleased. Thanks. You'll, yeah. you'll, need to, you'll need to work with it for a little while, but it's, it's worthwhile giving it a go. Yeah, um, it's just five tablets um, two to three times a day. Five, I'd start off with just taking five tablets daily. Five daily? Yes, that's what yeah. I recommend to my patients uh, using my product. Five, yep. uh, f five tablets to start with, with the option of moving upwards according to what's on the label. Okay. And the other thing, that was one of the questions you asked me was, um, was there a spur? Yes. And I said no. Yes. But uh, that was what... The um, radiologist said that once in the GP, there was definitely a spur there. Okay. I thought there might have been. That's why I asked you the question. Yeah. Now, I will mention 
uh, for the first time on on this radio program my experience using a particular preparation of blackmores. It is what's called a celloid, C-E-L-L-O-I-D, which is, which is a particular yeah. product. of it's, a, it's in the Blackmore's mineral range, and the celloid is known as S79, which is a brand name for Blackmore's silica in that right. particular celloid range. Now, S79 in the Blackmore's literature, usually in conjunction with a companion remedy in the celloid range known as sodium phosphate, or in their brand structure, SP96. I know this sounds a bit esoteric, but those, <laughs> those, those two remedies, in my long experience in prescribing that mineral therapy, has seen more resolution of spurs, particularly in the context of plantar fasciitis, than anything else that I have worked with. And I have jocularly said over the years on various programs and in various talks that some of my uh, greatest cynics... Uh, have been, if you like, converted to complementary yep. medicine by taking on board, usually at their wife's insistence. Women tend, tend to be much more <laughs> t- women tend to be much more accepting of complementary medicine than men. But uh, I usually say nothing. At, uh, I say nothing. <laughs> usually at their wife's insistence, taking those two remedies, particularly the silica, persevering yep. with it for a while. Oh, look, I could talk the whole program of the way in which that has caused resolution of spur formation. Okay. Excellent. So Thank you. called silica, is it? Or do you... Well, uh, where do you live? Alivana. Okay. Go down to if, if you were to go to the health food store there, they would know S79, SP96. Okay, then. That would be from my dispensary there. Good on you, Greg. Thanks Thanks so much for the call and and all the best with it. Anyone who's had a a spur will tell you, or plantar fasciitis, it's nasty business. Our sponsor is Dennis Stewart's Herbal Medicine Centre and Dennis joins us on a Friday from midday to one to take your calls. Helen's on the line and she wants to have a yarn to you, Den, about nursing back in the 70s and the use of honey. Helen, thank you for making the call. Thank you. Hello, Helen. Hello, Dennis. How are you? Uh, yes, back in the 70s, yes. uh, I'd nursed in um, geriatric hospital and then yes. a general, yes. and we used to use honey or sometimes a combination of honey and pure oxygen yes. on bed sores. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yes, and, and it was very good. And, and, and it still works. I used the honey. I had a nasty scratch on my leg from yes. a rose thorn a few years ago. Yes. And yes. And that was before you used to get that honey from New Zealand. You did indeed. That, that, that was before the New Zealand honey, yes. was it? Yeah, well, see, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say two things there. Um, first of all, quite remarkable that at that period of time, honey was being used. Um, I suspect being used a lot more by nurses than anyone else. Yes, and that's right. Because I, after I gave a talk on, on honey and its healing of ulcers many years ago, I received a letter from a lady in New Zealand whose husband was a missionary doctor in, oh, Af- yes. in Africa. Yes. And she said in Africa it was very common for her husband and the nursing staff to dress severe lacerations with, with honey. honey. And uh, it did brilliantly in many cases. And my, my dear mum, uh, who's passed away a number of years ago, um, a lovely woman, born in the coal fields, a typical working-class woman, um, 
she uh, had a nasty accident late in life and ripped open her um, her leg from the ankle up to the knee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. it, it uh, was a nasty uh, wound, and it was on a leg that had been unfortunately damaged by too much steroid use over the years and was slow to heal. It was going nowhere. Even the stitching wouldn't hold. And she suggested uh, to the doctors and the nursing staff that she might try honey and to give the medical staff credit they permitted and administered honey in an ointment form and my mum virtually till the day she died would frequently (laughs) pull down her stockings and show people the 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 leg and the beautiful uh, scar that developed uh, from a wound that was otherwise terrible and she was a great advocate of the way in which honey had helped her and saved her leg. Now, the interesting thing also is that in modern times, the New Zealand honey, the Manuka honey, has been put forward as virtually the only honey with healing possibilities. Now, the New Zealanders have staged a coup d'etat there because, to be quite honest, as you would know, the Greeks and the Romans were using honey in exactly the same way that we're talking about it uh, 2,000 years ago, and I can assure you they didn't get it from New Zealand. That's and, for sure. And, and in this, and, in, in, Australian honey we used to in, use. In this country we have a honey called jellybush honey. Oh, yes. Now, jellybush honey is of the same uh, species or the same variety as the manuka. It belongs to what's called the leptospermum um, species and we have done clinical trials on that and in fact my melderma honey ointment now is based on the Australian manuka which is absolutely competitive with any other honey in the world, even that from New Zealand. Mm. Well, you know, to eat the only honey I don't like is leatherwood honey. You don't, I don't like leatherwood? Like that- Smoky taste. It's, it's yeah, a stronger taste, uh, isn't it, is. it? I had a unique experience years ago. My, my wife and myself were, were, were travelling Tasmania and mm. I came across an apiary that had uh, hundreds of bees just grazing on leatherwood. It was a sight to see and I love leatherwood. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, that's, <thank> that's the <laughs> only thing you'll disagree on all day, I'd say there, Helen. Good on you and thank you so okay, much for calling. Thank you, nice. thank you Helen. Bye. Health Naturally 2NURFM, taking your calls on 49216216, brought to you by our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's Herbal Medicine Centre. And Daryl's on the line from Swansea. Daryl wants to talk about rheumatism. Hi, Daryl. G'day, how are you? Going well. How are you, Daryl? Yeah, good, good, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, sort of, uh, August or something last year, I, uh, I started getting pains in my, in my shoulder and hips, shoulders and hips. Yes. And uh, about a month later, I, I thought it was, well, you know, I put up with it for about a month and uh, I went and seen the doctor and he did blood tests and he said, oh, you've got this PMR, polymyogeromatica. Yes, yep, that's yep, right. Yeah, yep, and yep. Uh, I was on prednisone yes. up until about two weeks ago. Yes, and uh, I'm now on Mobic. And yes. while it's while it's working, it's not as good as a prednisone, but no. it doesn't have the side effects either. That's, that's correct. That's, so I was just wondering if there was something else I could try. Well, what I suggest, see, you, your doctor probably explained to you that um, the, the the steroid approach, which is the standard approach within mainstream medicine for addressing the acute phase of it, it that's the preliminary treatment, which usually gives way to what's called a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, one of which is Mobic. Now, okay. if if you're um, and the other thing I should point out here is that in my experience, this condition tends to burn itself out 
But what I would suggest you do is discuss with your doctor or uh, up to yourself what you do, of course. But in, in complementary or herbal medicine today, we, are look, we look at other anti-inflammatory agents. And I think last week I mentioned the, the um, extract of turmeric called curcumin. K-I-R-K? No, C-U-R. C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N, curcumin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, it is extracted from, from turmeric, which is a well-known component of curry. And, right. and turmeric is a very competitive, natural, anti-inflammatory agent which walks out of my practices like you wouldn't believe, <coughs> which attests to its benefit. So okay, yeah. what I suggest you do is either try it in place of Mobic or alternate it with Mobic, talk that over with your doctor, yep. but depending upon the, the level of discomfort that you're working with, I can see no real problems in giving the, uh, the, the uh, curcumin a try. Certainly give it a go, yeah. See I how it goes for you. One. Good on you. Thank you so much, okay, Daryl, and, and all the best. Have a lovely weekend. Now we've got Michael from Soldiers Point who's suffering terribly from psoriasis, and it can be a dastardly thing. Mm. Hi, Michael. Hi. Uh, it's not so much myself. It's my daughter. Oh, okay. She was visiting us up here on the weekend, mm. and uh, she's been to the GPs, and they say that there's nothing that they can do. You can only sort of, um, I suppose, medicate it. Mm. Um, but uh, she's been using the likes of, say, vitamin E cream or sorbaline uh, mm. you know, without mm. any real success. So it, I just thought, well, is, I've is, listened is, to Dennis over the mm, years mm. as I've driven, driven around the state, mm. and uh, maybe you've got some uh, magic cure for us. Well, I don't think there's any magic cure, but I've, I've found in, in our system of medicine that there are some alternative approaches which over the years have helped people. Now, I agree with... Uh, mainstream medicine's interpretation of this condition. It's a stubborn condition. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to treat, and the drugs that are used to treat it are not always that desirable, but mm -hmm. sometimes they're necessary. With your daughter, is it uh, systemic or is it is it located just on the typical sites of the elbows and knees? Now, well, funnily enough, uh, hers is located around the uh, the side of her ear and uh, you know, in the skull area. Oh, okay, in, in the skull area, right. Look, uh, and she's using a lotion, obviously, uh, uh, on, on the scalp? Yes. Okay, well, it's a tar-based preparation or steroid? Look, I don't honestly know, Dan. Okay, well, to, in, in any way, in treating this condition, topicals, useful as they are, uh, in my opinion, could benefit from the use of a, a number of herbs uh, from the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia which I have used quite successfully over the years, and I will mention them to you if you have a pencil and paper. I'll go and get uh, that pencil and okay. paper straight okay. away, yep. Dennis. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's, it's always a, a good idea to have that pencil and paper with you. And I tell you what, uh, we might just... Uh, actually, no, we've got it excellent. He's nice and quick. Good okay. man. Well done. That, where, where do you live? I live at Soldiers Point, but she lives at, uh, in Penrith and Sydney. Okay. She, she could procure these remedies, usually in a liquid compound form, mm -hmm. from a pharmacist that has a herbal dispensary or from right. a naturopath or herbalist locally, and there would be plenty of them around there. Yep. Now, the three herbs that I have had most success with, and these are well documented in the literature, particularly the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, is number one, a herb called sarsaparilla. Right. A lot of people think of sarsaparilla as a, as a pleasant <laughs> drink. Medically, like licorice, medically, like, it's, it's like licorice. It has profound uh, medical possibilities. Sarsaparilla I've had great results with, particularly in a higher dose of about five mils three times daily. Yep. 
Right. In most cases, sarsaparilla will tend to quieten it down. Right. Now, secondarily, there is a less well-known American herb, uh, a herb called Oregon Mountain Grape. That's oh, not I, that. I, I think the wife's right to head down. Yeah, Oregon Mountain Grape. Yep. Um, it's uh, it's uh, uh, a member of what's called the Berberis, B-E-R-B-R-B-R-I-S, the Berberis um, genus, mm-hmm. um, and it uh, contains an alkaloid called berberine, which is considered to explain some of its benefits on the skin. Mm-hmm. Now, it is a herb in liquid form that's also recommended as a trial in psoriasis where it's taken as oral medication. Right. And a remedy that I have worked with all my career and love because it's applicable to so many skin conditions mm-hmm. is the European herb called Clivers, C-L-I-V-E-R-S, Right. Botanically. Is this available through the likes of, say, Go Vita over here in Salamander? Uh, Mark Brown at Salamander would have a dispensary and he could put those together for you. Right. Uh, Mark was a, a graduate of, of um, Southern Cross Herbal School, which I directed many, mm-hmm. many years ago. A very competent uh, man. And if you've got Mark up there at Salamander, he could put that mixture together for you in the right proportions right. of sarsaparilla, um, Oregon Mountain Grape and Clivers. Okay. Now, the thing with that is, and you must tell your daughter this, that uh, it needs to be worked with. These represent a group of herbs that are slow to achieve their objective. Right. And I explain their action on chronic dermatological conditions as like chipping away, so to speak, mm-hmm. quietly and quietly and quietly. But in most cases, there is some degree of benefit, sometimes outstanding mm-hmm. and other times minimal. It's worthwhile okay. giving a go. And uh, the other thing I will mention to you is, Honey is very good as far as colds are concerned. Oh, I swear by it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, bee venom or bee stings, I can yeah. attest to this, yeah. are very good for arthritic conditions. That's why this afternoon when I'm working my bees, I will not curse them when they sting me because I know I benefit from it. <laughs> Michael, that's not recommended. He's used to it after many years. Just one uh, other, one other quickly... a funny story, but it'll take me a long time uh, to tell it Michael, being attacked by bees in the bush. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to ta- save that for another day. The only thing I'd say to your wife while she's scribing for you yep. write down this the healthy skin diet it's not about losing weight it's yep. about your daughter and her problems mm-hmm. by a lady called Karen Fisher F-I-S-C-H-E-R right. she has a brilliant chapter on food uh, that might flare some of those things and it's worthwhile ah. trialling it I'm not saying it's the, the be all but it's worthwhile oh, it's having a go yep. good on you Michael and thank, thank you so you very, much for the call much. all the very best to you hello Patricia wanting to talk about uh, drops on the tongue for insomnia yes please hello Patricia how are you not too bad good good how can we help you a friend was telling me that mm. she's got drops for her son to help him sleep the night through um, she yes. gets them from the health shop, that's all. I don't know. Okay. Uh, look, uh, without knowing what they were, it's difficult for me to comment on them. I suspect, I suspect um, that the uh, herbalist or the therapist that gave the drops or retailed the drops may have been using the European herb chamomile. Now, chamomile is one of the most popularly used infant remedies in Europe. Many, many people of European extraction will talk about a childhood that was raised on chamomilla. Uh, so I suspect it's probably an extract of chamomile. Um, but if you could find out from the, uh, the therapist what it is, I could speak more confidently about it to you. There are a number of herbs, let me emphasise, 
which are used to dress insomnia, insomnia not being an easy condition to treat, but chamomile is one of them. Others that are frequently used are herbs like uh, hops, uh, which is a, a very common herb. Um, balm is another one that's used. Uh, valerian is another herb that's used. Um, but I suspect in the case of this, of this child, chamomile was probably the remedy. It's just that if I get, I get a bed and I wake up and then I just sort of lay there and can't get back to sleep for a while. That's you, is it? Yes. Um, look, in the case of adult insomnia, um, and I can vouch for this because I've used this medication myself, I've found the one that's best documented is a tablet based on a standardised extract of kava. Now, again, kava is well known for its benefits in addressing anxiety, depression and insomnia. And with insomnia, it's usually taken as a tableted preparation from your pharmacy about, say, an hour before bed. And it usually promotes a better uh, sleep than what you might be getting now. Anything to be better than what I'm getting at the moment. <laughs> well, you, well, you try, try Carver. See how that goes for you, Patricia. All the best, and thank you for calling Health Naturally. 11 to 1. It's 2 and you are FM 103.7. Dennis Stewart taking your calls on 49216216. And we've probably got time for another couple if you wanted to put a call in. Lynn is from Gresford, and she's got some problems with sleeping as well, Dan. It seems like that might be all the rage mm. at the minute. Hello, Lynn. G'day, Dennis, and g'day, Meryl. Hello, Lynn. Um, yeah, I, I, for a long, long time, have problems sleeping, mm-hmm. and then when I wake up, I'm never refreshed. Mm. Even if I have a really good night's sleep, I'm still not refreshed in the mornings, okay. and that's, that's the main thing right. that I'm concerned about. I will be quick and, and, and recommend two little things to try, which are not, ex- are not expensive and uh, are quite natural and, in my opinion, safe. First of all, take on board what I have said about our understanding of the herb carver and use it um, as a remedy, say, taken prior to going to bed. It is legitimate, it is over-the-counter, and your pharmacy or health food store can supply you with it. But secondarily... I'm a great fan of honey, as you know, and my modern or my reading on the modern therapeutic use of honey suggests that honey taken before uh, retiring or going to bed can promote a better sleep, albeit it has to be taken in a significant quantity, anything up to a tablespoonful. So what I'm going to suggest you do is try that and down the track get back on the program and let us know how you go. I've I've done that before with the honey, yes. and it's made no difference. Well, you might have to work with it a little bit longer, Lynn, particularly with the carver. And what about waking up in the morning refreshed? Well, see how that little combination goes. Okay, thank you. Good Pleasure. on you, Lynn. Thank you so much for your call this afternoon. Brian, uh, where is he? No, hang on a second. We'll just see. I think we may have him here. Brian, do we have you there? Yeah. Oh, hello. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, Brian. You wanted right, to talk uh, about yeah. uh, tinnitus, did you? Uh, yeah, you, you, I, I just caught the tail end of that, Greg. Oh, yes. You're talking about ginkgo. Yes, yes. And uh, a couple of other things. Yes. What I was talking to uh, the, the listener earlier was the way in which over the years I've used uh, the more modern uh, herbal approach, which is based on the ginkgo, 
a standardised extract of ginkgo developed by the Germans after the Second World War, going under various names. Tabonin was a brand name that was uh, circulating around here for some time. It probably would still be available, but the ginkgo has has a, a usefulness in this. But I then mentioned that where that doesn't work, or give it in conjunction with the ginkgo, are three other herbs usually prescribed in a liquid combination. And um, those three herbs would be uh, golden seal, black cohosh, and the European herb ground ivy. A black cohosh. Yes, and the third one would be ground ivy. Yep. They're the three that are called up in the 83 edition of the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia. And yep. I prescribe those frequently for my rooms at New Lambton as a com- in a combination and dose it appropriately. Start with the ginkgo. If you're not getting anywhere over quite a number of months, uh, think about adding to it or using in place of it the combination of those three uh, liquid uh, herbs. Combination. They're yes. mixed together, are they? Yes, yes. Where, where do you live? Uh, I live at Raymond Terrace. So... Okay. There should be a, a pharmacy or a practitioner up there that could dispense that for you. Certainly the ginkgo would be easily procured. Give it a go first. But I, yep. said to, I said to the earlier listener, and you may have heard me and I'll repeat it again, any virtue coming from the ginkgo would only emerge in time. And if you're not prepared to give it a lengthy period of time, it's best not to work with it. Okay. Ginkgo take, takes time. It does indeed. Okay. Like Thanks all- very much. All good things, Brian. Thank you so much for calling Health Naturally. Six to one this afternoon. Dennis Stewart joins us every Friday. And lucky last, we've got Jeanette from Toronto. Hello and welcome, Jeanette. We're running out of time, but we'd love to fit you in. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Look, I've just got a small problem. Um, I've got a lower back problem, which has been diagnosed that I need surgery to relieve uh, pressure on the nerves. Uh, I don't want to go down that path and uh, at the moment I'm swimming, which is helping, but I can't walk very far and steps are terrible. So anything I can do naturally. Look, it would be difficult, obviously, if if your doctor and surgeon have suggested surgery, it's a pretty, you must be in a pretty um, nasty way. However, I can appreciate your reluctance to accede to surgery and I applaud you for what you're doing in the pool. What I will do, and it's a long shot, but what I will do is send you free of charge, a gift from the program of my glucosaplex. You stay with that and work with it. It's a possibility that might alleviate the condition for okay. you. And if you, start, oh, if, you, you if you hang on, the, the producer will get your name and address. And from my rooms in New Lambton on Monday, it will be forwarded to you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling Health Naturally, Jeanette. The hour slips by, Jen, doesn't it? Does. It does. Time flies. What I wanted to say, if there, are, if there are things arising from our program today or questions that haven't been able to be answered, my rooms are open until about 4 o'clock today and people can ring on 49562321. That's 49. 49- Five six, six two, three, two three two one. Dennis Stewart, our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's Herbal Medicine Centre. Den, thank you so much for this week. You have a very good week, and uh, I will talk to you in the near future. Dennis will be here next Friday for Health Naturally on Two and You Are FM.